you here with us. If you're able to stand, we would love to you for you to stand and get ready to worship with us this morning. So glad to have you here. As dawn broke, he arose. Jesus was coming for his kingdom. Coming to save man from sin. Coming to crush the hold of death from within. Coming so man could live with him forever. But man's heart did not desire his saving grace. He came humble on the unbroken pole of the dawn. Entered the city, the people rejoiced, but Jesus wept. You see, the crowds didn't want forgiveness and mercy. They desired an earthly victory. They followed Jesus for misguided reasons. They followed his works, but denied the freedom in his words. He came for a spiritual kingdom, not of earth, but the kingdom of heaven. And though legions of angels knelt before him, he did not come to wage war on the Romans, but to wage war on religion. That cancerous hypocrisy driven by pride, which concluded that the sinner should be shamed and excluded. But these very sinners were the purpose of his crucifixion. Make no mistake, Jesus did not die a victim. He was instead the willing sacrifice for our sin. We worship Jesus today, not because of what he may do for us, but because of who he is to us, our King, our Messiah, and our God, who brought his kingdom through a cross, the heavy cross that pointed to a promise, a revelation, that one day will stand with every nation, tribe, and language. Palm branches lifted high, one voice united in a deafening cry. Salvation belongs to our God. Jesus is here. His kingdom is here.
pay the price for all my guilty who would care that much about me let me tell you about my jesus you to find him. He will solve all of your problems. Hallelujah. He is the answer. Jesus overcame 
has been broken from you. As far as the east is from the west, that means they're never going to come in contact again. That's how far he will separate that from you. If you choose that, he is willing to do that for you because he loves you, because he died for you. He has chosen you. And if this is hitting your heart, this is for you today. And so we're going to sing that two more times. And I just wanted you to declare that over your life. The power of sin is broken. Jesus overcame it all. He has won our freedom. He's won it all. So just declare that over yourself today. Power of sin is broken. Jesus overcame it all.
lifelessly the frame of the father son in agony she watched his only son be sacrificed so good. We are so glad to have you here this morning. If you would, please just go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning.
we come to the house, oh, there it is, whoa, where did we go, hold on, there we go, all right, we're on now, amen, amen, that's a little better. You know, we come, we come to the house to receive, amen, but we also come to the house to give, and I'm not talking about your, your offering necessarily, I'm talking about we, we just spent time giving our worship and our praise to Jesus, did we not? And, and sometimes we have to be able to come to the house, not just always to receive, and I hope you receive today, but, but our hearts are being built into those who give, and, and we're taught how to give in our worship, we're taught how to give in our praise, we're taught how to give in our tithe and our offering and all these different things. So our, our tithe and our offering is part of our worship. Every single week we get together, we have an opportunity to give to the house, but giving to the kingdom is really what it's for and we, and we always pray that as the finances come in that we're good stewards with what the Lord has brought in. But I believe as you give today, as you live life of faith. And how many of you are living a life of faith? Let me see. You're living a life of faith. And that, that means we trust him. Even when we don't always understand, right? We, we confess more than we understand. So sometimes that's what the faith life is. It's living beyond our understanding. And, and I don't know about you, but especially in a time when inflation is high and gas prices are high, right? It, it, some, it doesn't make sense then to come give to church because you're thinking, well, maybe I'm going to need this. I'm going to squirrel this away a little bit because you just never know. But I do know that blessings follow those who give. And I believe in that. And, and that we trust when, when we're directed in Scripture to do certain things, that there's always things happening, sometimes beyond our understanding. But they are ways that God works in us and through us and connects to us. Amen. So as you give today, you're, you're, you're living a life of faith. And there, there is an honor and a blessing, I believe, in that. Amen. Let me pray over it. If you have it this morning, you can bring it down. Lord, uh, we love to come to your house and be with you, to worship you, to fellowship with one another, to listen to your word. We love to come and, and uh, do the things, Lord, that, that we do because we follow you. And I pray, Lord, as part of that as we give today, that, that we are being strengthened in you simply because we trust you. And that you will always do what your word declares you will do. And we believe that. We grab hold of it. And we live in that. So I pray as we give today that we live within who you are and all the things that you say are about those who live that kind of life of faith. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. If you have something, you can bring it today. I just got a couple of announcements <clears throat> real quick. Uh, April the 16th, where's Vinny at? Vinny's already standing up. Wave your hand around. Vinny uh, is leading the nursing home outreach, Sunshine Nursing Home Outreach. April the 16th, Saturday at 10 a.m. over at Bancrest. Uh, they do an incredible work uh, when they go out like that. So if you have questions about that, please see Benny. Um, uh, if you're interested in becoming a member here at Only Believe at Urbana, what that means and, and, and what that's about, next steps, and we call that process next steps, will be happening April the 24th, right after church. Uh, if, if you're interested in that, sign up at the back and, and we'll, we'll bring some food in, get together. We'll talk for a little while. Uh, Membership in church is participation. It's not just coming. You, 
come, but, but it goes beyond that, what it means to uh, participate here at this church. So that's what Next Steps is all about. So April the 24th, uh, sign up at the back, and um, uh, we'll get you involved and tell you what that's all about. Okay, so this week, obviously, is, is Passion Week. We have Good Friday, this coming Friday, and Easter Sunday, on Sunday. Um, just so you know, next Sunday, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus together. But it's, it's a great time to invite people to church, by the way. You know, the, the times of the year that the unchurched are more apt to go to church are Christmas Eve services and Easter Sunday. So, so if you know people that don't go to church, invite them out with you next Sunday morning. Uh, Tish and the crew, they're going to provide a light breakfast for you from 9 to 9.50 next week. Is that right? Tish, what are we having? Yell it out. They want to know. What are we eating? All right, it sounds, sounds good to me. So 9 to 9.50 next Sunday morning. If you want to come out and eat something early, you can do that. Then we'll have Easter, uh, our, our resurrection service next Sunday. Uh, good Friday. Let me explain Good Friday real quick. This coming Friday, we have uh, Good Friday, a time of reflection. What that is like and what it's going to be about is the church here is going to be open from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can come at any time you want during that time. We're not having a service. We're having a time of reflection. And what's going to be a little bit different about it, there's going to be six stations here in the church that all have an activity that connects you to the process of the crucifixion. It puts your mind on Jesus and reflects to you. Um, and it's time for you to come through with your family. Uh, take time at each station. It'll be an explanation of what that's all about. So um, instead of having service, just do something a little different this year. So a time of reflection, you come, and then it will take you uh, 20 minutes. If you have a bigger family, maybe longer to go through the station. Then if you want to, the church is open for worship for a while. During that time, you can stay and worship for a little while. So uh, if, if you're sitting here saying, I don't have any idea what, what he's talking about, just come and you'll see. All right. So that's this Friday from six to eight, a time of reflection on Good Friday. And then certainly Easter Sunday uh, next week, we will celebrate our risen Savior. So having said that, that's, that's all I got uh, for announcements. Thank you, Chamberlain. And if you've got your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 21. Wednesday night, I'm going to start a series on words. How many know your words are important? We're, we're going to start on Wednesday talking about that. But something I want to do this Wednesday, um, when I'm done Wednesday night, what I'd like to do, for those of you that want to stay extra when church is over, we're going to meet over here. We're going to talk about last Wednesday. And I'm going to maybe answer a couple questions. But I'm not necessarily talk so much about last Wednesday. I want to talk to you about the power of God and what it means in certain contexts and situations about how the power of God can touch you and do things in your life, okay? So that's this Wednesday when I'm done teaching. If you want to hang out for a little bit, we want to talk a little bit. I'm going to uh, talk about um, different ways that God can touch us, different ways that God shows up in our life. We also want to talk about uh, some of the dangers of some things like uh, sign-seeking and things of that nature. So we want to just talk about some things Wednesday. Sound good? When I'm done with uh, the, the general service, we'll have a little extra time on Wednesday night. All righty, Matthew 21. Today is Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is when we commemorate, we, we mark the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. We, we've been on a series uh, over the last, today's the third week and, and closing up next week. The first week we talked Christ the sacrifice and 
last week Christ the Savior. Today is Christ the King, Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, and next week Christ the Resurrected. Today, as we commemorate Palm Sunday, it kind of inaugurates what we call the Passion Week, the last week of the life of Jesus leading to the crucifixion that we commemorate on Good Friday, on Friday, then certainly looking forward to resurrection on Easter Sunday. The triumphal entry plays a big part into our understanding of not only Jesus, but who he is and what his work really was bound up to be in his ministry. So Matthew 21 and verse number one, let's just read uh, a little bit here. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone uh, says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. And this place took place with Phil, was spoken by the prophet, and by the way, it's the prophet Zechariah, and you can find what we're about to read in Zechariah chapter 9, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. But, but notice, notice the character and the attitude of the king. Now, this is, and I'm kind of jumping out here. We'll, we'll get back and read this more. This is kind of a parody of what they would have been used to in Rome and around the Roman uh, regions. When a, when, when a general would go away to war and they'd win a battle, a big battle, they would always come back and display their military might. It would come in the form of a parade. And, and nations still do this, by the way. They still have military parades. Coming down the street with, with, with the personnel and the tanks. Sometimes they have some, some things carrying some missiles. And it's a, it's a display of power and strength. And what would happen is the general or the one leading uh, the battle would come in riding a horse, often a white horse, a big horse. And again, it was, it was displaying the power that was to come. And here comes the parody of what they would often see in Rome. Here comes the actual king. And watch what it says. Coming to you, humble and mounted on a, what, a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Humble. That, that word humble is big right there. The king comes in absolute humility, not mounted on a war horse, but on a, a donkey, a, a beast of burden. Verse 6, and the disciples went out and did as Jesus had directed them. Then they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. And most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and they Others cut branches from trees, and, and they spread them on the road. John mentions about being palm leaves. And the crowds that went before him, that followed him, were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Notice that Hosanna means save now. David looking to be in the line of the, of the, the warrior king David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. See, the prophets had been calling forth, and we've been talking about this. The prophets prophesied about the coming of the one who would save. 
but, but it wasn't just the one who stayed, but they called forth what would be a worthy sacrifice. They called forth also a king. See, as Jesus was entering Jerusalem, what the prophets were calling forth came to be completed in him. The crowds that met him crying, Hosanna, save now. They were hopeful. They were in expectation that the one who would come from the line of David, again, this great warrior king, would be found in this miracle-working prophet named Jesus. The palm branches represent victory and triumph. But the, but the question is, had their king really come? Was he really going to liberate them from the bounds of Roman rule? That's what they were looking for. Was he the one that the prophets spoke of? Many questions. There, there was high drama in this moment. A lot of things happening, a lot of things being said, a lot of wonder, a lot of maybe expectation. For centuries, the Jewish people were awaiting their deliverer. Could this be the one? So go to John chapter 18. We're going to jump around in the Gospels a little bit today. John chapter 18. And we're, we're going to fast forward a little bit here to his trial and his, some moments with Pilate. John chapter 18 and verse number 33. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. So much is being said that the events of the Passion Week happen. But John chapter 18, verse number 33, Jesus had been arrested, been to Herod, been sent to Pilate, that the crowds are wanting to crucify him. John 18, 33, so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, do you say this out of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, well, am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate replied to him, said to him, what is truth? You've got to see the big picture. There's a big power play happening here. Pilate at this moment is representative of Rome. The most powerful nation in the entire world at this time. It kind of harkens back to Moses being sent to the Egyptians, you know? But here we have now a new power. It's not Egypt any longer, but it's Rome. And Pilate, being a representative of Rome, is asking Jesus a question. He's the agent. He's the representative of the most powerful nation in the world. He asks Jesus, are you a king? Now, if Jesus answers affirmative, you realize that he is a traitor against the state. Because Rome will allow no other kingdom but itself. You see that? Are you a king? This is very symbolic. It's very significant. It's a power play. See, earthly power, Rome, Pilate, 
is questioning Jesus, who is the power. Earthly Rome, who is Pilate, is questioning Jesus, who is the king. So, so the ultimate thing, well, what is truth? What is power? Who's really in charge in this situation? We come down to brass tacks there. Who is really in charge in this situation? See, Jesus is a king. He's not just a king. He is the, capital T-H-E, he is the king, Christ the king. And his kingdom is not of this world, but had now come into the world, is working into the world. And by the way, the kingdom will come in finality. See, the trial of Jesus, both by the Jew and the Gentile, is part of a proclamation that he is king of both, Jew and Gentile alike. He's king of all. Jesus is not just our sacrifice, he's not just our savior, but Jesus is also our king. He's ruler, he's deliverer, he's worthy of honor, he's worthy of worship, he's worthy of our adoration. And see, a king, what's amazing about the kingdom of God, it's a kingdom not of this world that had come into this world, and it supersedes all the kingdoms of this world, both what is seen as unseen. His kingdom subverts all the kingdoms of this world, all the kingdoms that are seen and all the kingdoms that are unseen. And it is by his kingdom all the kingdoms of this world will be judged, both what is seen and what is unseen. And, and see, see, in this time, in the writings of the Bible, when this was recorded, they talk of kingdoms and kings and things of this nature. You think of kingdoms, we talk about nations. Jesus is ruler over all the nations of the world. Now, often it seems like this situation, though. Pilate's answer, asking questions. Jesus is sort of answering his, his questions. And we know Jesus is going to be, he's going to be crucified. Who's really in charge here? But see, that's the humility of the king who enters riding on the beast of burden, not on the war horse that comes in to conquer through that way, but through the humility of the cross. It seems like, well, Jesus is the king, but if you look out in the world, is he really the king? I mean, it doesn't seem like it. I mean, just look at this mess out here. Is, is, is the kingdom of God really subverting all this that we see? It doesn't seem like it. I mean, look what's happening around us. But make no mistake about it, the kingdom of God is in this world, and the kingdom of God is working through this world, and the kingdom of God will come in finality. And the kingdom will judge what we see now, and will judge what we cannot see, the, the rulers and the principalities and the things that are there that they're not seen to the naked eye, will judge those too. As a matter of fact, it was all judged at the cross. Do you realize one of the reasons that nations rise and fall is because the judgment of God is already working itself through the world? Is Rome the superpower today than it was back then? Nope. You know why? Judgment has been happening. Things will come to a finality at some point. Matthew chapter 27. In verse number 27. 
Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his hand, the reed being symbolic of power. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, the king of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his robe and put on his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Let's go back to John, chapter 19. Put, this, put that together with this. John, chapter 19, verses 19 and 20. And Pilate wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic and Latin and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. But Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. They dressed him up like a king to mock him crown of thorns for his head, bowing down and, and, and mocking this, this supposed king. And even on the cross, there was an inscription put, King of the Jews, and written in different languages, so everybody who would come by could read it and understand the charge against him. See, mocking, but yet fulfilling. Mocking, yet revealing a great truth. In their mockery, they put revelation forth. That this man they're mocking as a king is actually the king. Jesus was crowned as a king as he went to the cross. Crown of thorns for his head, a scarlet robe for his body. See, the king that brought a kingdom in this world and judged the world to cross, he did it in such an unconventional way. Now, not like the other kings of the world when they march out with their armies and conquer people and spill blood, then come back in and pray their power before their own people. But a king who willingly gave himself for the sins of this world. See, this is the way of salvation. This is the way of new life. This is the way of the kingdom of God. You have to understand power correctly, or you miss the whole thing. The power that we seem to get in this world is not power at all. It's actually a false representative of the true power of God. The power that we live in this life, that we find in the kingdom of God, comes in an entirely different way into the way of the cross. That's why Jesus calls us to pick up our cross every single day and follow him. That's the way of true life. That's the way of abundance. That's the way of salvation. Not the way the world works. Remember at Gethsemane, Peter takes out his sword and strikes off the ear of the, high, uh, the servant of the high priest. Jesus said, this is, this is not how we do this. This is not the kingdom. And what does he do? Then he shows the love of the kingdom, and he heals and puts his ear back on. Would have been an amazing scene, right? 
This wonder, the wonder of the love of Jesus to heal one that was part of a group to come that he knew was to take him, to crucify him. The way of the kingdom. How God works is not the way this world works. You have to understand true power dynamics. You can gain this entire world that use your what? Your soul. You have to understand power dynamics. The true power is in the God who saves, not the man who conquers. True power is the one who comes in humility, not in prideful display of themselves. That's Christ the King. That is teaching us how to live in a world when it seems like his way may not be working, but it is. I, trust me, it is. As, as the parable of the, of the woman working the yeast through the dough. That's the kingdom of God right there. Notice the woman doesn't jam the yeast and make it happen. She just slowly is working. Have you ever kneaded bread and, and, and worked the yeast in dough? It takes a little bit. It's not easy. Put it together. That's how the kingdom works. Christ the king. But there, there's a fulfillment and a finality to these things. Revelation chapter 17. There's a picture of, of, of Christ the king bringing finality of the kingdom. Revelation 17 and verse number 14. It says, they, and, and those that, that come, they will make war on the whom? Who do they make the war on? The lamb. Who's the lamb? The sacrifice. How does Jesus conquer the world as a lamb who is slain? You see that? Remember, remember we were talking about Revelation on Wednesday nights? And, and we see in Revelation the lion of the tribe of Judah, he's named but right then when they see him, they see him as a what? A lamb that was slain. And over 30 times in Revelation, you have this depiction of Jesus as the lamb. One time as a lion of the tribe of Judah, but how the lion wins and conquers is through being slain on a cross. Amen. They will make war on the lamb, and the lamb will conquer them. Why? For he is Lord of lords. And king of kings, and those with him are called chosen and faithful. Why is he Lord of Lords? Because a whole lot of people running around saying, I'm a Lord, I'm in charge, I have power, I have authority. I'm like Pilate, I can tell people to do this and they do that, I can tell people to do that, they do that. As a matter of fact, I can tell people, kill that person, they'll kill that person. There's a lot of Lords running around in the world, even today. But Jesus is Lord of lords. He is king of, of, of kings. There's a lot of people running. They're, they're kings. Again, they have authority. They have power. People listen to them. They can do what they want. But Jesus is king of kings because it is the Lord and the king that is true power and will judge all the lesser powers. That's what happens as we see in Revelation. It's the finality of things. When things come to a head and kingdom come. Jesus is king when? Right now. And he has been. 
Jesus is not just king when the kingdom comes and he returns again, but Jesus is king right now. And his kingdom is in this world right now. Very subversive. But the kingdom was inaugurated with his ministry, his death, and certainly new creation, new life comes in his resurrection that we talk about next Sunday. And he will come again and bring finality to all things. Remember the prophecy in Isaiah about the birth of Jesus? Isaiah chapter 9, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. And, and what will be upon his shoulders? Government. What does that mean? It, the way of the world, the kingdom, the true kingdom that will be set right will be upon him. In Isaiah 9, 7, it says, And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no what? End. And he will reign on David's throne. And over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time and then, for how long? Forever. And why will this be accomplished? Because of the zeal of the Lord. See, this king of kings and lord of lords who established his kingdom and showed us the way of his kingdom by dying on the cross, this king that was mocked and, and crucified is the one who carries the government of all things upon him. And he will set all of this right. And when our government is finally established, it will have no end. For he will rule in righteousness, he will rule in justice, for he is king. Christ our King. So when it comes to your life, I, I'm, I know that you see Jesus as your Savior. How many have ever asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins? Yeah, you, you see Jesus as your Savior. But is Jesus your King? It Does his government rule your life. You know what I mean? It's, it's one thing to get Jesus to forgive you of your sins. It's another thing to follow him, and he's your king then, too. It's, another, it's one thing to say, Jesus, forgive me, I made a mistake. It's another thing to actually give your life to him and say, I will follow you and do as you will in my life. You've got to bring those together. See, Jesus, the sacrifice, allows Jesus to be our Savior, but he's got to be king too. And he's got, when, when he does things like this, when, when he says, hey, if anybody would come after me, deny yourself, pick up your cross. And, now you think about this. When, when he said those things to his disciples, that wasn't some abstract thing. They didn't know what he was talking about. They all knew what crucifixion was. They had seen it. Je Jesus and the two that were crucified with him were not the only people that were crucified in history. You know that? Romans crucified a lot of people. And they saw it. They knew what it was about. And when Jesus said to them, before he died, pick up your cross and follow me, he basically said to them, you're going to die if you follow me. That's what he told them. And, and they had a choice to make right there. 
Is Jesus Lord of your life enough that you will pick up a cross? Even if it ends in that kind of a way, and follow him every single day. I, th I, think, I think, I know that we love that he's our wonderful savior, that, that he, he has such mercy and grace and he forgives us, amen. How many of you live in his forgiveness every day? I know I do, my goodness, I need it. Every day I need it. But do I answer the call to, to follow him too? You know, it's very easy to come to Jesus and get stuff from him. Hey, I need this. Do this for me. Forgive me of this. And then, then go back and live your life how you want. And then, went, okay, I got to go back to Jesus. I need something. Lord, do this and do this. I'm in a mess. I'm in a pickle. Help me here and, and go back and live my life. Oh, man, I'm in a financial trouble. Lord, Lord, I need your help financially. Please open some doors and go back and live my life. I, I make a mistake. I sin. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. We go to him. Why don't you just follow him? Why, why don't you pick up your cross and just stay with him instead of just coming to him when you want something and you need something? He's there. He'll meet your needs. He, he's the great need, need meter. But, but he called you to pick up a cross that will absolutely change your life, change everything about you. you you'll learn what it means to deny yourself. In other words, have life because you're losing your life. You're making a trade. More of him and less of my sinful flesh. More of him. And I'm making a trade. Picking up that cross. See, those who pick up a cross and follow Jesus every day, they discover Jesus as king, not just as savior. They discover things like, don't do this, and you learn not to do it because he's your king. And you discover when he says to do this, okay, I'm going to do that. Well, because he's my king, right? And you'll find a way of relationship with him. Because those who love him obey his commands, right? That, that, that's king living with him. That, that's, that's living by the way of the kingdom. You're, you're a citizen of the United States of America. So you follow the rules and the, the laws of, of where? United States, right? You don't follow the rules and the laws of another country. You live here. Are you a citizen of the kingdom? We, we often want a kingdom without a king. We want the benefits of the kingdom without having the king. And we, that, that means we want to try to change what it means to live in the kingdom and do it our way. No, no, no. The king has already set up what it means to live in his kingdom. But the thing is, when you think about that, when you think negatively, no, it is abundant and full life. That's the kingdom. All the things that, that, that he's doing. When he says deny yourself, it's for a very good reason. It's not just because he's a taskmaster. Not turn around with his whip. Pick that thing up. And no, he's not cracking a whip at you. This is life. It's full, the fullness of life that he had. Pick it up. Let him be your king too. Because that kingdom, listen, the kingdom with that king has no end. That government that brings peace will have no end. All the things you see in this world, they will end. Listen, I love my country, but it's going to end. It don't matter who's the president. Eventually, it's going to end. Right? I've benefited very much from living in this country, but it will have an end. 
I need to be paying attention to the kingdom, the kingdom that does not end. Amen? That will follow him. Jesus, the king. King of kings and lord of lords. And when we really see the power dynamics, we start to see that. It's another way of understanding who Jesus is. And it's another way that brings worship and adoration from our life. So, so those that, that were coming outside of, of Jerusalem to, to bring their king into Jerusalem on that triumphal entry, that Palm Sunday, we call it. Man, laying their cloaks on the road, the, the banner of, of the leaves. It was, imagine the display, shouting Hosanna. There, there was a response because they started to see something about him. You see what I mean? That we would live life in that kind of response to our king. Lord, save us. Save us now, Hosanna. Come save. And we live a life of adoration of this King of kings and Lord of lords who has saved us, who has forgiven us. The words of a humble king while being crucified and dying on the cross come in this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Not angry, not shouting back, not spitting back. Psalm 22, the great psalm of, of, of the calling forth of the crucifixion, that he was silent for them. Uh, Isaiah 53 says the same, silent before them. Received all the accuracy, all the mocking. He could have called legions of angels. But humility to save us. That's the king we serve. That's the king that understands power dynamics. That is the king that's worthy of our praise. Amen? That is the king that when he says to me, hey, pick up your cross and follow me. Yeah, I don't understand all this. I know it may not be easy. But you know what? I'll pick up this cross today. I, I have a, a I, I took some old barn wood and put it together, and I had a, an artist paint that one of the gospel uh, verses, you know, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow. It's on my wall in my office. Every day, every day when I get in there, I sit down at my desk, it's straight across from me on the wall. I can't miss it. Every day, remind myself, today, pick up your cross. No matter what it takes, pick your cross up because it's the abundance of life that Jesus has for me. I'm going to follow him. He's my king. He's my Lord. And I'll give him my life. Amen. Let's, let's stand up our feet. We'll close out today. Oh, Jesus. How about, just, just for a moment before we go, let's just, just, just worship him for a second. Lord Jesus, if you want to, you can raise your hands up. If you want to, you can, you can kneel down. Whatever, whatever you have, your response. And just speak some praise out to him. Speak some worship, some adoration to our king. We praise you, Jesus, and we worship you.
For you are the wonderful counselor. You are the mighty God. You are the everlasting Father. You are the Prince of Peace. You are the one who saves. The one who delivers. The one who rules in power and majesty. You are the one. And we worship you today, and we praise you today, today, right here, right now, real time, we worship you. Lord, and we commit ourselves to you to daily to follow you as king. Lord, we thank you for the benefits of the kingdom. We thank you for, for being citizens of your kingdom, but we want you. Lord, lead us and guide us and give us wisdom and help us, but we want you. That you would be the first thought in our morning, the last thought of our day, what sustains us throughout the day. Lord Jesus, you. That in the things we face in life, that, that you are king is not absent in those moments. That you're there in our mourning, you're there in our trouble, but you're also there in our triumphs, you're there in our victories too. And Lord, we long for the day when you return again. Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, come. To be with you and under the government of what you are for forever. Highly lifted up, exalted above all things. Oh, Jesus. Lord, Lord as, as we enter this, this Passion Week, I, I pray that each one of us is very mindful every day of the work of the cross and the, and the victory and the celebration and the joy of the resurrection, what that means for us. to be mindful of it. Because it means everything. It means everything. For you, your kingdom, for your glory, for your honor, for you, we worship you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, in all authority and power, in the name of Jesus. Before I say amen, I just, just to say this. You're here today, and you, you have, have not been as you know you should be in your daily living with him and by him and for him and through him. It, I, I encourage you to get back on it. Recommit, whatever it means to you, whatever wording you want to use, but follow him. And let his kingdom come and his will be done in your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, look at your neighbor and say, Jesus loves you. Tell him. And he's the best thing for you, tell him.
He's the best thing for you. Amen, amen. Well, I was glad to see you all today. Wednesday night, we'll come back together next Sunday. Be blessed as you go. Love somebody on the way out. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.